Jackson Wilson extends the hands he has. Wilson could throw. And it's Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Birthplace Studios for another episode of the Boston Beat. I am your host, Tucker Paquette, and thank you for joining us. So in our last episode, we focused on one team in town, the New England Patriots, and the serious struggles that that team has been going through this year and the root of their problems, both the offensive side of the ball and as well with their coaching and front office situations for both this year and beyond. In today's episode, we are moving on to another Boston team, the baseball team in town, the Boston Red Sox. Now, as many fans know, both casual fans and the more serious observers of the team, the Red Sox have had several mediocre seasons in a row both this year and the past year as well. And much, and much, and much of the blame for those struggles was put on the team's f- on the team's former chief baseball officer Heim Bloom for his problems with roster construction and what many perceive to be a lack of aggressiveness on Bloom's part on both the free agent and trade markets when it came to player acquisition. So as the regular season neared its conclusion this year, Red Sox ownership led by principal owner John Henry fired Bloom and and in the past month or so they have hired Craig Breslow away from the Chicago Cubs to lead the team's front office going f- to lead the team's front office going forward along with this move the Red Sox elected to hold on to manager Alex Cora as they believe Cora is a vital part of the team's organization with his ability to make wise and prudent in-game decisions as well as his ability to manage the clubhouse and the personalities and the players inside of the clubhouse. Furthermore, the front office and ownership believes that Clore is a valuable voice when it comes to to giving input into team building decisions that can be seen in repeated mentions by both ownership and, and front office members who were still around, such as Eddie Romero, a an assistant front office executive when Romero discussed how, how Cora is intended to continue to give input into the team's decision-making process. So with, a, so with a new lead man for the baseball operations department, as well as some familiar faces sticking around the organization, the team is now tasked with, with, the, with the heavy workload of improving a roster that has not been up to par with the team's long-standing championship traditions. And, and there has been lots of pressure from the fan base and from like the team itself, really, on ownership and the front office to make aggressive moves this offseason to try and improve the team. So, so, so the main goal, so right now what we're going to do is we're going to dive into a position-by-position breakdown of the Red Sox roster and we're going to try to to flesh out what parts of the team we are happy with and what parts of the team would be wise to try and make serious upgrades to over the next weeks and months as the offseason continues to move move right along so to start on on the position player side of things i think the team's i think the team is set at catcher they have 
Connor Wong, who is by no means a superstar offensive talent at catcher. But the thing that I really like about Wong is he's a very strong defensive catcher, a strong pitch framer, and his throwing arm behind the plate is more than strong enough to, to cut down a, a, a good enough clip of base dealers to the point where, where that's not something the team should, in my opinion, be looking to upgrade on. Wong's, Wong's bat could probably be considered league average or slightly below. He is more of a contact hitter than a power hitter. The main flaw with Wong at the plate is his, is his, is the swing and miss tendencies, but that is a problem that, that lots of catchers in Major League Baseball go through, and because it's a common problem at that specific spot on the diamond, that's something that I'm more willing to let slide, for Wong. Now the team could look to upgrade the backup catcher spot on Reese McGuire, perhaps. But the other thing to consider is one of the Red Sox top prospects, their most recent first round pick, Kyle Teal, a catcher from Virginia University, is expected to and really already is a fast a fast mover th- fast mover through the team's minor league system. So with him expected to factor into the picture not too long from now, perhaps 2025 or or, or I've even I've even I've even seen it thrown out there that that Teal could be a late a late season call up this upcoming year. So with the combination of of adequate options already established at the big league level and the fact that the team has a high quality catcher prospect uh, moving his way through the pipeline, I don't think the team needs to upgrade at catcher. And then moving along to the team's infield. The corner infield spots are the least of my concerns. Rafael Devers was obviously signed to an 11-year, $331 million contract contract extension about 11 months ago, and I think he is, he probably has the safest, the safest roster spot of almost anybody in the entire league. So, so third base is is not anything on my radar at all. First base is another spot on the team that appears to be set in in quality stone, if you will, for the next five, ten years, with Tristan Cassius, who is a dynamic bat offensively, power ability, contact ability. He's a good situational hitter. He he is very skilled at at drawing walks and and he gets on base at at a respectable clip. So I'm not worried about first base. Shortstop and second base, the middle infield spots are a are a are a part of the team's construction th- th- that is of great interest to me because they they obviously have 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 Trevor Story in the midst of a 6-year deal for 140 million dollars with 4 years left on that deal. I do not think it is in the cards at all for the team to move on from Story, and I don't think they should move on from Story. I think he should be and will be the team's opening day shortstop this year and going, and going forward as well. Now, the, now, much like the catcher spot, the, there, is added, there is added intrigue when discussing the, the, the shortstop position for the Red Sox because they have another top prospect there 
2021 fourth overall pick Marcelo Meyer, who is a who is is arguably the team's best prospect and is one of the best prospects in the entire sport. He might be ready he might be ready to come up to the major leagues at the end of at the end of the upcoming 2024 season or or sometime in, in 2025. So he much like Teal at the catcher spot is a factor in the team's long-term planning at those positions. Um, so I would say the Red Sox are okay at shortstop. Now, 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 obviously the spot on the infield, they really need to upgrade, and it's been reported they're already thinking about upgrading it. Excuse me, is second base. And, and the Sox obviously traded Luis Urias to the Mariners for relief pitcher Isaiah Isaiah Campbell as their first major offseason or like not major not major offseason move but but their first offseason move at the major league level was that deal and 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 with and with the subtraction of Urias from the mix they are left with some combination of Emmanuel Valdez to play second base or perhaps Pablo Reyes to play second base even though he played a healthy amount of shortstop last year while Story was on the injured list in in the first part of the season. So both Valdez and Reyes have had their moments at the big league level. Uh, Reyes in particular ha- had some clutch hits, walk-off home run, um, big timing hits, strong defense. I just don't think th- the, there is... I just don't think there is enough consistent production in Reyes's bat to bank on him as an as an everyday player, and I don't think Valdez is developed enough either at the plate or in the field to be to be relied upon to make a a consistent impact on the big league team. So I see second base as a spot that the team really needs to look at upgrading. And 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 in the second part of this episode, uh, we are going to look at some possible some possible uh, solutions in the free agent and trade markets to to fill these holes on the team. And second base it is one of the spots we are going to get to. But um, so so of the team's catcher and and infield spots, I would say second base is really the only one that that is really the only one that needs a meaningful big league level upgrade. Moving along to the team's outfield, that is where things get really dynamic with a lot of moving parts, moving contract situations and some and some very interesting decisions and options that Craig Breslin and company will have in front of them this offseason. So I I believe it is most fitting to start the offseason discussion with with Alex Verdugo, the uh, an everyday outfielder on the team the past several years. He most commonly plays right field. He is a league average player. I'd say perhaps a tad a tad above league average because he is a he's an above average defender. There's no doubt about that. And his bat is is almost exactly league average, 
and with one year left on his contract at about eight million, he is projected to earn in in arbitration salary. I believe the team will have to decide if if that is is a sum they are comfortable paying him, or if they would rather move him, perhaps as part of a deal for a pitcher or an infielder, and and I personally think that with that 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 when you combine the fact that a Verdugo is not a it's not a difference making type of player, his contract situation, and the fact that that he's not always reliable, uh, whether it be with his like off-field de- um, decision-making. He, he was the subject of, of, uh, of Alex Cora's ire several times this year. I, I know one game, Cora even benched him. And then, and then Cora's post-game press conference that day when he was asked about it, that was probably the most upset I, I have ever seen Cora in a press conference. So, and I believe when, uh, whenever it appears the uh, um, the manager is upset with a player, especially again when when the when the manager has some input in in the team's roster construction, I'd say that is not the best sign for for Verdugo's staying power on this team, and and then. And and then factoring in all those considerations, I would say it is, it is more likely than not, um, probably about seventy percent. I'd say Verdugo is is traded this off season and is not on next year's Red Sox team. Now 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 other players in last year's outfield mix include Adam Duvall, who gave the team a very strong season both at the plate and in the field. Duvall is a free agent right now in this year's free agent market. He is someone I would love to bring back. I just don't know if if his asking price, both in terms of of salary and and duration of the contract, is going to match up w- with what the Red Sox want to give him. And then and then some other outfielders. On the team are Rob Refsnyder, who has undoubtedly had some strong moments with the team, but I would say Refsnyder in a perfect world on a perfect roster. I'd say Refsnyder profiles more as a a fourth outfielder as opposed to an everyday option. And then and then you have younger guys mixing in, such as Cedane Raffaella, perhaps Wilmer. Ab- Perhaps Willier Abreu, who got some time up with the big club toward the end of this past year, and 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 performed very well offensively. So the team, so the team clearly ha- has a mix of of options currently at their disposal, who they could turn to next year, but. But the fact that 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 some of these op- options are are free agents 
trade candidates, young young players, and and there and there are just various questions with with the current outfield mix that make it seem likely to me there will be some changes made there. And I think it is also possible that that in addition to at least one player being subtracted from that mix, I think it is also very likely that that Breslow will add at least one outfielder to the team's roster as well. So 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 outfield is is most is most certainly in a greater state of uncertainty than either catcher or the infield. However, it, if you think the team's outfield is in a state of flux, just wait until you get the Red Sox starting pitching rotation, which most certainly this past year, and I'd say in 2022 as well, was a, a significant catalyst for the team's struggles. And the team has had a significant lack of starting pitching talent at the big league level, never mind the, the uh, prospect pipeline, but just at, at the major league level, they have not had multiple quality starting pitching options who you would feel comfortable m- placing at the top of a playoff rotation for a long time now. Like four, like four years. I'm talking, and I think they need multiple high-end caliber starters because because just going down because because just because just going down the line here. I I think it's fair to it's fair to say by far and away, the team's most promising starting pitcher is Brian Bayo, a 24-year-old starter who who undoubtedly has 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 number one starter potential. He Bayo started off the year very, very strong, but as the year progressed he he tailed off both in terms of his stats and also the um, the quality of the pitches he was throwing. So 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 while Bayo is the most exciting pitcher in their rotation currently he is not the type of guy who I at least would feel comfortable going going into spring training opening day next year with him slotted in as the number one starter. Other options on the team pitching staff include the much talked about Chris Sale, who obviously in his prime was a top three, top five caliber starter in the sport he he's he started several American League All-Star games and was a key part of the Red Sox 2018 World Championship however since then he has experienced a a slew of injuries that have kept him off the field for for long stretches of time and when sales been on the field he's been good or at least good enough but he he is just he has just not been on the field nearly enough 
and then you factor in he is set to make about about 23 million this year and then and it's and it's it's fair to say he is he has not he has not performed often enough to be worth that type of contract and he has also not performed often enough to the point where the team can realistically count on him to be a meaningful contributor in the 2024 rotation. And then for other guys in the rotation, you you have a a handful of guys who it's still uncertain if the team would would rather have them as as starting pitchers or or pitching from the bullpen. Those pitchers are Tanner Houck, Garrett Whitlock, Cutter Crawford, and Nick Pavetta. They have all over the past two years spent some time in the starting rotation and some time in the bullpen. And and I think the the team has has been doing them a big disservice by not clearly outlining their their best their their best their best suited roles several years ago and I think this off season is is the time where 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 the front office absolutely has to once and for all tell these guys okay you are either going to pitch in the rotation next year or we're going to or we're going to or we're going to turn you into a full-time reliever next year i think of those four cutter cutter crawford is the best guy to stay in the rotation i think garrett whitlock is clearly best suited as a reliever I think Nick Pavetta should also stay in the bullpen because he had poor results from the rotation this year. But but then midway through the year when he was moved to the bullpen, he was a fantastic pitcher. So so he should stay in the bullpen and then Tanner Houck, I am not totally sold either way on what his best spot is. I I do understand the case to to keep him in the rotation. I could also see why somebody would uh, would prefer to have him pitch out of the pen. I could be convinced either way there. But uh, but whichever way they choose, he just they need to find permanent roles for all four of those guys. And and then finally the team's bullpen. I think that is the current strength of the team. Kenley Jansen, I I am more than happy going into next year with him as the closer. I am I am I am very happy with um, Chris Martin as as the eighth inning guy. I am also very happy uh, with some combination of Josh Winkowski and and John Schreiber serving as as like seventh inning options or or just high leverage relievers who can either come in for the start of their own inning or can come in if another relief pitcher has has some issues or or has guys on base bad spot type of thing they could bring either 
either Schreiber or Winkowski and to like to 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 put out that fire, so to speak, and 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 to and to get that big strikeout or or induce that inning-ending ground ball and to and to get the team out of the jam. So the bullpen is is nowhere near the top of 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 priorities that that need to be fixed in my mind and I'd even go as far to say that that it's at the the bottom of that list. So in terms of, in terms of players who who could be available this off season in both the free agent and trade markets to patch the team's roster holes in the in the infield the 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 free agent market is not very is not very dynamic. One option that's been talked about is is Whit Merrifield. I am not that high on bringing in Merrifield to play second base. I think the team should opt for 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 somebody with a a higher ceiling than Merrifield. Now I am not saying he's a bad player. I am just saying. I think the Red Sox can do better than that. I would look more toward um, the trade market, and and one name that I like in particular is Jorge Polanco from from the Minnesota Twins. He was their everyday second baseman last year, but uh, Minnesota has a prospect coming down the pipeline who could who could um, be pushing Polanco out of Minnesota. And and I think the the Red Sox sh- uh, should be all over the the opportunity t- to acquire Polanco if they can. He is set to make about ten million in arbitration this upcoming year, and I personally think that is a more than fair price to pay f- for a player who who blends consistent defense and. And valuable offense, like Polanco does. Now, moving on to the team's outfield, I'd say I would like uh, uh, for the team to 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 bring back Adam Duvall. However, if 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 they're not able to do that. I would be interested in a a short-term stopgap in the outfield, perhaps someone like Kevin Kiermaier or somebody like that. But what I do not want is a big multi-year deal for 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 one of the corner outfield bats on the on the free agent market like a Teoscar Hernandez or a, or a Lourdes Gurriel Jr. I am not I am not interested in that type of move. I I think the I think the I think the the Red Sox sh- uh, should be focusing on spending their big bucks on 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 their biggest need, which is the starting rotation. And and I'm a firm believer that the Red Sox need to acquire two top-end starters. 
I think the best way to accomplish that is to get one player from the free agent market and to get one player from from the trade market. Now, in terms of of free agents, obviously um the 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 free agents the free agent starter market is already off and moving with with players such as as Aaron Nola and Sonny Gray already having signed contracts but th- but there there are are still still several quality options left including Yoshinobu ya- uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery and I think the Red Sox need need to do what whatever they can to ensure they sign one of those three. Yeah. Yamamoto is a, is is coming over from Japan. He is expected to get a a huge contract, well over two hundred million. But the fact is, Yamamoto is is just is just twenty five years old, and has a a long track record of of success while pitching in Japan. Meanwhile, Blake Snell is the reigning National League Cy Young Award winner, and while I do have concerns uh, about Snell's ability um, to pitch deep into games, and and while those concerns do do make me want him less than than both Yamamoto and Montgomery, he would still not be a bad option. And and finally, Montgomery is. Is a a consistent starter who had a very strong postseason for for the Texas Rangers this past year. He has pitched at least 180 innings in each of the past three seasons, and that is the type of consistency and durability that that I believe the Red Sox rotation so desperately needs, and so. If, if Breslow is able to sign one of those three, and then also make a move for somebody on the trade market, perhaps a player like Dylan Cease from the Chicago White Sox, Corbin Burns from the from the Milwaukee Brewers, Shane Bieber, Shane Bieber from the Cleveland Guardians, or Tyler Glasnow from the Tampa Bay Rays, perhaps perhaps one of those four guys is the answer on the trade market to to serve as a complement to to the team's main free agent signing and and I think if the Red Sox are are able to get one of those f- free agents and and then a a quality starter via trade as well I think that would set the team right back up on a path for success next year and going forward as well. So this episode has been a look into the main holes on the Red Sox roster and some ways to possibly fill them. Next up on the Boston Beat is going to be a look into the the two final teams in town who we have not covered yet, the Boston Celtics and the Boston Bruins. That is all for today's podcast. I am Tucker Paquette. Thank you for joining us. 
and have a fantastic rest of your day.